Welcome, welcome, welcome to You've Championed Yourself. Who are you? I'm Chris Ferguson, your host. It's always been a dream of mine to showcase ordinary people doing amazing things every day and never getting acknowledged for them. Those are who have taken their dreams and their ideas and turned it into the reality. As they reach beyond their personal struggle and pains and traumas, where so many people, they give up, they lose hope, they don't strive forward. There are those who can walk through their obstacles and their challenges, not knowing where it's going to take them. They trust themselves enough not to give up, to do the follow through in personal life, their career and in relationships. And this is what I call a champion. Today, we have an amazing lady, Rochelle Babbler here today. And we have some synchronicities going on between us. We've never met before. But I'm so honored and excited to have her here today. Let's welcome Rochelle to the podcast. Good hello, morning. Hello. How are Hi. you? I'm great. Thank I'm you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, and me too. In talking with you, can we talk about how you championed yourself? Yeah. 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 I've championed myself. I would say the the time that really stands out for me. I mean, I think I have in several areas, but um, was when I was diagnosed with a rare brain tumor in 2008. Mm. And um, I was lucky to have a medical background being a paramedic for six years. And um, during that time, it was such a rare tumor that, you know, I got all these different opinions and I didn't know what to do. And it was very confusing for me. And that's when I, um, you know, really did my due diligence researching and finding out what was best for me. And when I did, my insurance company denied my treatment. And mm. so I had to find an attorney and I'd already done all the work. And, um, you know, I knew that this was the best treatment for my body. And um, we appealed and I won and I got my treatment that I wanted. And, you know, and because of that experience and because of my medical background, I've been able to help others advocate as well for their health. I love that because I had cancer at a time in life back in the seventies that they didn't have the cures or they didn't have the options or the research or any of that available to the common person. You had to, basically you were at the whim of the doctors. Yeah. They yeah. gave you one thing. This is how it has to happen yep. and that's it. And so I honor people who know enough to know how to protect their energy, protect who they are and push forward. Yeah. I, I, I also had to fight my insurance company in 2012. I had two pulmonary embolisms, one in each lung. Oh, God. Most people don't survive one of them. Yeah. And yep. so the fact was, is they were like, oh, well, you know, you take this medicine. So that's a precursor to say that you, it was going to, it, it was determined you were going to do that. And I got a letter from my doctor. I got a letter. I, I did the research from the Mayo Clinic. I did. I took my life into my own hands. Yep. And so I, I know that path that you walked, but what made you become a paramedic? So when I was growing up, I always, um, gravitated towards things to help other people. And I really liked the medical profession. So in high school, I was a student athletic trainer, and I was taping stinky feet and helping athletes and, you know, with icing and, you know, all that stuff. And then when I went to college, I was a student athletic, athletic trainer there too. And I thought I would go like the physical therapy route, but um, I ended up getting my EMT. And after I was an EMT for a year, I got my paramedic license. 
So, um, you know, an EMT does basic life support and then paramedic does advanced life support. So I was a paramedic for six years and then um, the contract negotiations were coming up and, you know, the paramedic contract would come up every four to six years. And it was just like, you know, you didn't know if you're going to get carried on to the next company. And because of that, I went back to school, took a forensics course, and that's when I got hooked into forensics. Well, that was my next question. I love forensics. <laughs> <laughs> I love forensics. Um, I was a security specialist at a high school with 3,000 students, and this was, an, was not a community school, so it was almost an alternative school. And I became the crime watch advisor. And instead of trying to get these kids who hate cops into yeah. law enforcement, it was more, no, let's teach you what all the other avenues that you can be. And one of them yeah. was forensics. So I would set up crime scenes in the library oh, and nice. teach them how to go through it to collect the evidence and not contaminate it. So they yeah. loved it. They let, I took them to the courts, saw how bailiffs and court reporters and judges and lawyers, yeah. and these are all necessary things in life. So it was amazing. So I love forensics. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Um, and I, you know, I was, I got my instructor for that course was in charge of a crime lab here in San Diego. And so he hired me part-time. So I was working part-time as a paramedic, part-time in the crime lab. And then they eventually hired me full-time. And then that's when I transitioned. Um, but it was interesting because, you know, I would go back and teach paramedics crime scene preservation because I was never taught that when I went through mm -hmm. medical school. And I probably, you know, maybe I could have preserved some evidence a little bit better knowing the things that I know now. Um, and I did a ton of research. I taught all over the country. I, you know, testified in court several times and you know, analyze my, my specialty was fingerprints. So mm -hmm. I analyzed latent prints from crime scenes and from evidence. And, you know, it was a, an amazing career and I loved it. Um, but then there came a time where, you know, it was time for me to do something else. What was that moment that you had this epiphany? What you speak of your midlife awakening. And I love that statement because most people don't see it as an awakening. They see it as a crisis and it's yeah. not a crisis. It's open. I see it as when it gets that bad, it's getting to push you forward into the best moment. Yeah, totally. And so I was on a very prestigious forensic board and um, we would have meetings every six months and I was back East at a meeting and I was flying back and I, I just made the decision. Like it was, I'm done. And I went back to the office that Monday. I went to see my supervisor. I said, I'm giving you my two weeks notice and everybody about, you know, because there was like, they were like, oh my gosh, because I was really at the height of my career. You know, I was on this forensic board. I was teaching all over the country. I was speaking at forensic conferences. And, um, but what had happened was when I got diagnosed with that brain tumor in 2008, that started my personal development journey. Mm -hmm. And I started to meditate. And what I found through meditating was that it really became my internal GPS and superpower. And when you start to nourish that and um, strengthen it, your inner voice gets louder and louder and louder. And it was loud and I finally couldn't ignore it anymore. And I had no idea what I was gonna do. I quit, I didn't have a plan. 
I, um, everybody thought I was having a midlife crisis. I was 46 years old <laughs> and they thought I was just losing my marbles. And they're like, I can't believe you're quitting a steady job and you, you don't even know what you're going to do. And, and, you know, I would lie to people at that time because I was, you know, I was being so judged and criticized. I was like, oh, I have, you know, I'm going to start teaching and like doing these other things. And I didn't know. And I joined a co-working space. We work. I don't know if you've heard of WeWork, but um, I joined that so I could be around like-minded individuals, um, heart-centered people that were also entrepreneurs and, you know, figuring it out. And um, and I knew it was my midlife awakening because I my intuition just got so loud. And this is the cool thing about, you know, when you nourish that, you you don't doubt it. And, you know, when we don't, how many times have we said to ourselves, I should have listened to my gut? You, you know, like we've always had it, but when you strengthen it, it you will never question it. So I didn't question it. And, you know, that was five years ago. And I've, you know, it's been, I've never looked back. It's just been such an amazing thing. And, you know, I had some really tragic things happen in my family after I'd quit. And I see the divine timing and intervention with like, you know, it was the time for me to quit, not only for me to really find my why, but also to spend more time with two family members that died, you know, within four months of each other um, in mm. 2018. I'm sorry to hear that. And I, I, I send my wishes and my prayers to you because it, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. And being yeah. empathic, um, I want to ask you, did you have any... Um, any time that you felt your vibrations fall so low, you got sick, like with COVID or um, the flu or anything like that, because that's what happened to me in, in July, this past yeah. July. You know, I, I have a very strong immunity and I attribute that to being a paramedic because I was exposed to so much stuff. And, um, and I, you know, I rarely get sick. Now I did my TEDx talk this past October and my talk was around my sister's death, her passing, um, how I advocated for colon cancer awareness. She died of colon cancer. Mm. And um, so that talk was very personal to me. It was different than any talk I've ever done. Um, it was the most difficult talk I've ever done in, for a 12 minute talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and after I came back, I got so sick for three weeks. Mm. And it really, I think it was a combination. I tested for COVID. It wasn't positive. Um, I think it was a combination of me like um, going head on with my grief of losing. Mm -hmm. So I lost my sister and then I lost my father four months later. Mm. And um, it was really, you know, that talk was so personal. It was kind of like giving closure to a lot of that too. And yeah, it took me out for three weeks and I felt like it was a rebirth I felt like, you know, I was really shedding a lot of layers of things I've been carrying for a while. And, um, you know, after it was, you know, after that three weeks, I, I saw the the gifts and the lessons in it. But I think God was like, you're going to deal with some of this and I'm going to have to put you flat on your back for three weeks for you to, you know, to really like, um, you know, just kind of like face something. So um, yeah, it, I, I got sick at that time right after my TEDx. And I kind of knew I, I, I figured I would because it's months of preparation. Mm -hmm. And it's such an, you know, an exciting time and a very, you know, it's, it's a huge accomplishment, 
accomplishment for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I knew I'd be coming down off of that, you know, your body starts to relax and then it like just attacks you. Kind of. <laughs> well, I think it's more of facing realities and allowing yourself to grieve is what it happened. Yeah. And I didn't intend to ask you that question. My spirit guides asked, so they said, ask her this because it, it is something that was made her vulnerable and yeah. publicly vulnerable. Yeah. And that's where your energy comes down because I've been around kids for 21 of my 40 years of law enforcement. And I've dealt with gang members on the streets, gang members in the high school. I also had the honor to work with some um, troubled youth that just can't control themselves in normal classrooms. And then in that atmosphere, worked with some CDC kids, Down syndrome kids, yeah. all of this stuff. Never got COVID. I never got COVID. I never got the flu. Didn't have any problems. One of my little special boys would pull my mask down and kiss me on the cheek and say, Miss Chris, I love you. I love you. And no. I love you. But then you've got to stop doing that. You're going to get me in trouble and you in trouble and everybody in trouble. You know? <laughs> and I never had anything. But in July of this last year, we just had that. We had the lunar eclipse and then the solar eclipse. And all of a sudden I felt the deaths of everyone on the planet. Yeah. And it just, it, it was one of those vulnerabilities. I was going through this ascension. And so it was like, okay, all of a sudden I tanked. And mm -hmm. within a week, I got COVID. Oh, and wow. then I had like a five nights of the dark soul. And I'm arguing with myself in my sleep. And I'm sleeping 17 hours a day. And I'm thinking, this is a spiritual war. What is going on here? Yeah. So it was kind of yeah. crazy. So I was just curious if you hadn't gone through something similar. Because it is that vulnerability. And yeah. it is allowing yourself to be authentic in a moment. In your weakest moment. Yeah, I remember the first week, I just, my whole body shut down. I could not move. I had no fever, no cough, runny nose, nothing like that. It was my body just completely shut down. And then um, after a week, I started getting the fever and the cold symptoms and things like that. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I hadn't experienced something like that or been that sick since I was a paramedic. So that was like 25 years ago. So, right. and yeah, it's kind of odd the way things are happening. However, let's talk about you being an author, a best selling mm -hmm. author. Yeah. So I'm um, a co-author for. Uh, the Blue Talks book series, and I'm in volume four. And Blue stands for Business Life Universe. And um, Corey Poirier has been a, a friend of mine, and he's launched the Blue uh, brand. And um, so I'm actually doing a Blue Talk in June in New York, which is going to be awesome too. But that was where, um, you know, Corey wrote a book on finding your why. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one thing that, you know, when I knew I, when I quit my job in forensics, it was like, I'm here to discover like what that is, like, what is that for me? And so my chapter in the book was really writing um, how my, why came to fruition, especially after my sister's passing. So it was, it was nice to share that piece because, you know, it's a chapter, but it's like a short story of, mm -hmm. you know, like really deep stuff for me. Um, and it was a, it was a great experience. I, I loved it. And there's so many great authors and, in, in those books. I'm one of them. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> awesome. but I don't know if you know, but thinkers, T H I N K E R S 360.com picked volume four 
and one of the most influential books for entrepreneurs, CEOs, and professionals to read in the top 50 for 2021, which I I thought that was amazing. I thought that was amazing too. I was like, wow, that is so cool. Yeah, we didn't know. We did not know before this conversation. We had these synchronicities. So that's why when I started this out, I said, we have a lot of synchronicities. (laughs) We had no idea. Yeah. um, Are you going to continue with the Blue Talk series or are you just going to do the one? Have you decided? I did the one. I don't know if I'll do another one. I'm actually in the midst of writing my own book. Um, So I'm working on that. And then I'll do the Blue Talks in New York in June, which I'm excited for. Um, And yeah, so my focus, I think, is going to be on my book. And I I kind of feel like I have a couple of books that are going to come like a series. I like that idea. I like that idea because there were I had written down, you know, let's talk about the book, but you brought it up beforehand. And then all of a sudden saying, no, there's something else she has to talk about books. So I'm doing this empathically with you right now. So as as we're (laughs) going through (laughs) and what are, what are three tips that you currently provide your clients, how they can be a better them or a better day? Um, You know, I really help clients amplify their voice and brand and message. So I help clients um, actually get on podcasts. I do podcast outreach and then I help them get clear for their idea for the TEDx stage. And my new program is really sharing their story through music. So as you can see, like I'm a musician and I love music and um, you know, your voice is your most powerful tool Mm -hmm. that you have, I think. And, and it's really having people step out of their comfort zone a little bit and, and, share their gifts because, you know, the more we share our gifts, the more we can help the collective and, you know, humanity. And right now during very divisive times and times when we could use it, like, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome for me to support clients to really share their voice and um, help them to build that social proof, you know, and um, to just, you know, let their light shine on whatever platform they decide to do it on. I love that you're of service to others. I love that because it is about giving back to humanity. And mm-hmm. you've been of like me of service in many different areas, but it's yeah. all been from the heart center. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just ex- extraordinary that you are still continuing on being of service, even though you're not doing those physical things that you used to do, you're doing more of the spiritual things. And that's what I truly, truly love because it was a dual life for me. Yeah. Yeah. Being that spiritual person and then being in law enforcement, it's like just the facts, yeah. just the facts, nothing about the facts. And then here I'm saying, okay, but, and then when the attorney, when I had to testify in court, Oh, so why did you ask that question? My gut just told me to ask them, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. so it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, it is a gift though. Right. Like, I mean, I'm sure it helped so many times with, Mm-hmm. Just having, you know, having that intuition and that, um, you know, where you can channel certain things and 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 you have a gift. It's like being a walking lie detector. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great, but at the same time, it's not so good for them. Yeah, yeah. And and being a criminal profiler and understanding crim- and criminal behaviors, that's a whole nother level to it. So yeah, the kids that I worked with, they couldn't get along. Some even self-diagnosed themselves as sociopaths or psychopaths. 
So they would be talking and I'd, 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 I'd empathically feel what they were doing. And I, and I would just say, oh, you're really not thinking about doing something like that, are you? Oh, oh, how did you know? How did you know? You know, and it's like, well, let me just tell you the consequences of that. Yeah. yeah. Two, let's look at the your mindset. Let's look about the way you're thinking. That has a lot to do with the passage you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I love helping people use their voice. I, um, you know, through the process, a lot of people discover their why, which is another amazing thing. I mean, if we all really knew what our why was, I think our planet and world would be a better place. Um, oh, I love that. I do. That's amazing. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And, you know, it's really trusting yourself. Like if something's nudging at you and some things keep showing up in your life, there's a reason for that. Like, listen to it. Tap into your intuition, you know, nourish and, you know, strengthen that muscle inside. You will get all the answers you need. You will always be guided. You will always trust the unseen. And it's and it's an amazing thing. I love that. I love it. I, and I, I promote that also. But here's one question. And I ask this of all my guests. <laughs> let's take a minute and just take a deep breath in and hold it. And let's connect with our five-year-old child, inner child. What would she say to you today about where you're at and how far you've come? She would say that, um, like, I've always had it in me. Um, I just didn't feel worthy of having it. And um, that's probably been one of my biggest, uh, not lessons, I would say, um, Un, undoing like my limiting beliefs and things that I felt about myself. But I would, she would say that you're worthy of having love. You're worthy of having wealth. You're worthy of being abundant in all kinds of ways. Anyway, I love that. she's also very proud of you because at one point you wanted to give up and you didn't. Yeah. You, I mean, you, I you didn't want to give up. You, you it, it was hard. You didn't know where you were going. I'm feeling this about you. You didn't know where you were going. And all of a sudden she's just like, no, you got to keep going. Yeah. Michelle, you got to get this done. This is you. This is who, this is that evolution of you. Yeah. And I yeah. think that was about your spiritual awakening. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would say after I became an entrepreneur, yeah, there's definitely those like, oh, like, what did I do? And, <laughs> and, you know, it was always going back to center, like going back within and just trusting that it was all going to work out in a beautiful way and trusting and surrendering to it. Mm, I love that. I love that. Hang on just a minute. I want to honor you. And I'm so excited you came today. It's, yeah. it's been my absolute honor to have you here. Hold on one second. Thank it takes a special kind of individual to dream their dreams, their thoughts and ideas and turn it into the reality. Rochelle has stepped past her fears, stayed the course, and had the courage to, to do the follow-through to the end. Rochelle Babbler, you've championed yourself. Now we know who you've become. Thank you for sharing your ideas, your thoughts, your dreams, and your life processes with us today.